This is the Final Fix Podcast. This is just real people having real conversations surrounding substance abuse and the way addiction impacts communities. We're three brothers who have experienced addiction through a family member. We each have unique perspectives to the same situation, and as we have healed through discussing, we want to share our experience and speak with others who have been affected by substance abuse. Our goal with this podcast is to spread awareness of the harm of substance abuse. To talk to real people about their experience and how they've healed. And to learn more about the role that substance abuse plays in communities and families. We are not experts, just brothers who have had our own experiences around addiction and want to help others by facilitating conversations. Please be aware that some of these conversations may be difficult and triggering. Any episodes that feature adult content will be labeled as explicit and may not be appropriate for children. We are back finishing up talking about uh, the show Painkiller on Netflix. We're finishing up from part one. We did the first three episodes. um, And so now we're talking about episodes four, five, and six. Just full disclosure, uh, we will be talking a lot about the episodes. So if you have not seen the show... We will spoil some things, and you should go watch it. I'm not saying don't listen to this, but I'm saying you should additionally go watch the show because it's really good. That's the first time. Yeah. Um, and we know, and we brought it up, the first one. There's been a lot of shows similar to Painkiller. Uh, and there's, Alex, you said there's one on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's uh, literally the same story, just it just uh, sounds a little different. Okay, yeah. The uh, I think I don't know. It's we talked touched on it uh, the last episode too, but the powerful message in the beginning of each episode is a family. It's actually impacted by the oxycotton epidemic and like um, had has lost somebody, and essentially they're saying you know the the show is fictionalized. Um, it's based on you know, true events that actually happened, mm-hmm. uh, but with some changes made. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we were just talking about the last three episodes were so like, holy shit <laughs> that, yeah. uh, I mean, my notes are kind of all over the place. And then I stopped taking notes cause I was just so engrossed in what was happening. Dom, I don't know if it's the same. Oh, I have so many fucking notes, dude. Oh, okay. All right, cool, cool. That's good. That's good. Uh, the first thing I wanted to say, um, so episode four, uh, Elizabeth was the name of the was the daughter of the parents that passed away from an opioid addiction. Um, episode five, his name was Matthew. Um, he was addicted to oxycontin, and he had passed away from the addiction. And episode six, the kid's name was Riley. Uh, he passed away after getting addicted uh, from a back injury, and yeah. he he died. So I wanted to put those names out there because it kind of adds more realism to uh, the story. You know, like they're real people, and that's like you said. Like that's why I really like the disclaimer in the beginning um, that it shows that this is real, even though it's so drama filled and it's like an episode of like Grey's Anatomy. You know, yeah. it's still. It's still real to these people. I mean, in episode six, the dad starts like bawling with the kid's picture in his hands, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like it's so real because it does it. it uh, who, I mean, I don't know how long it's been since e- each of these deaths, but the, um, I mean, to lose a kid, you never really get over that, you know, to lose anybody in your life. Uh, so. So the, I guess the, the premise of that episode four, like the, the big 
thing that they're starting to see is like the actual traction being made in uh, figuring out how to legally pursue Purdue Pharma. Like um, one of the big things was um, the investigator, uh, Evie, Edie Flowers, yeah. I knew Flowers, but um, she had been trying to get an actual case started where they were going to pursue Purdue. And basically she was told, like, find the crime, find the the law that they're actually breaking to give us, you know, the legal ability to pursue. Um, and they went to, like, this all-hands-on-deck police meeting for police officers across the state, and it was just, like, the same message over and over again about how it was impacting their communities and they need help. And they, there were these doctors that were just being encouraged to overprescribe and um, like basically the beginnings of pill mills. And again, it was like that, like show me the crime or find the crime. And um, like, then we'll get, we'll go after it. Um, So that was kind of the buildup in episode four. There was obviously some, um, deviation there and the other stories that are going on simultaneously um like the drug rep shannon she's like uh propositioned basically by one of the doctors that she'd been um repping for and so that was like oh shit there's also the um the tie-in to like uh when the guy who the the story they're following with the guy who owns the auto shop i mean his addiction is starting to get he's starting to spiral in episode four yeah Um, and he's starting to get you know bad to the point where it's really affecting his family and um you know he's licking the the can he keeps his pills and he's licking it it's a dip cast like yeah like a Um, old chewing tobacco can that he's licking yeah it's disgusting he's also it shows one of the scenes he's like high as a kite working on vehicles uh it isn't like where like he does have an incident later where he's working on vehicles high uh but like it's just starting to show that and i was just thinking shit like you never know somebody else is working on your car what's yeah. going on <laughs> like that scared me yeah no, no kidding like did they put the oil back in and you know you just yeah yeah with uh Edie though there was a a point when they first they were telling her you know find the crime find the crime and it blows my mind that it was with everything going on that they that that's what the solution was find the crime and I, and I get it it's like find the crime but at this point in the show they start um the public outrage really starts right like every time that shannon goes to any of her doctor's offices there's protests outside they have security outside the doctor's offices now there's massive mobs of people with pictures of their kids that have died or are sick or addicted and they're just outside these doctor's offices protesting the fact that you know they're pill mills essentially um so that's kind of that all coincides with her finally getting the green light to find the crime so they can actually prosecute um, yeah, I, uh, in the beginning, it shows her, um, it shows Shannon, um, at the meeting and she got, um, 
promoted to a I can't, oh yeah i can't remember the proper wording for it but she got promoted in the company and she got a big bonus and at the end uh, the big boss of the meeting uh, uh after everyone walks out he brings her over and um said that if she has any more concerns that you just call right you just you just call him you you let him know your concerns, right? And she's like, don't so don't put anything you, in writing. <laughs> yeah, you, essentially. You don't want anything in my notes. And he's like, did I say anything about notes? And she goes on this uh, this big. There's this big montage of her um, recruiting people, and in one of the scenes, there's a bunch of girls, and she has the little oxycotton plushies, and she's throwing them around and saying, "This is what will buy you." blank and she throws it at someone and says mercedes and birkin and all these like luxury brands and stuff like that and that like really messed me up i was like bro that is really how they think like well that's their bottom line simultaneously though she's also beginning to like she's kind of questioned this whole time and she's had a couple experiences where it's like ah that's not really right what we're doing um so I, th I think there's this dichotomy here where she is one of them that isn't, she's bought in because she, like it showed in the beginning, she was really struggling financially. She wasn't doing like, she was having a hard time and she's like, wants this to be true where she's helping people, um, but also like trying to get re really rich. Yeah. I mean, we can tie it into the, what happens later with her, but um yeah, it was, it was about the money, right? She yeah. had, looks like, I think when they introduced her, she had like a knee injury and she was like moving back from college and her mom into a trailer park and, you know, she was just, she was trying to get away. Um, so I, I think that she really, from the beginning, I felt like, I kind of liked her at first, even though she was playing this role. Um, I mean, I kind of liked her up until some events that happened later that we're going to talk about, but she just always had this internal conflict, I think, with herself. Like, I know this isn't right, but I'm I'm just doing my job. I think yeah. that's how she viewed it for the longest time, is I'm just doing my job. But she knew what she was doing wasn't right yeah. type thing. So she just internally struggled with that. Uh, apart for me, and I, I think this is probably true, I'm assuming, because I don't know how much they would fictionalize this, but the FDA approved their evidence i'm putting quotes in the air without like sourcing it and right so they go to talk to the guy that they base their research on uh quote unquote and he's like what are you talking about no i wrote that 20 years ago or something like that yeah and it was a letter to the editor about yeah. s regarding something completely different it wasn't an actual scientific uh, study. study it wasn't any peer-reviewed anything it was like he was writing a letter talking about an instance with um something being addicting but like completely twisted what he said and that's what they were using to base these claims on to the fda yeah yeah and it's like at what point like like how is that not shown and then like automatically taken off the market like i don't understand like how like the legal loopholes through that are so rattling to me because it's like they see the ramifications of that and even someone at the fda the the lady that she's talking to she's like well i didn't approve it and then they show the guy who approved it uh what was his name um right curtis right right yeah curtis right um and they show the montage of him in the pool and stuff like that and it's like it was really that easy 
and I mean, it's at the end of the show, but wasn't it 500,000 people recorded had uh, had prescriptions and had overdosed on Oxycontin? It's yeah, like, that, I think that's a year to date. I think it's like I think it was a year to date. It was like 500,000 overdose deaths. Yeah, half a million like, people have died from overdosing on Oxy or something. Yeah, can you believe that? Like just like that, like just one person's decision or multiple, but that one guy decided to put that like to uh approve that and put that on the market and it's like all these people are paying for it well i actually found something out crazy today and i won't i won't name drop because i don't know if they want their name on here but um just in talking to them about what we're doing and talking about the episode in 1990 1991 or 2001 maybe i think he said he didn't really quite remember when but he had knee surgery and um when he had his when he had his knee surgery, uh, when he got out, this is like in the height of the Oxycontin like thing going on. Uh, the doctor literally gave him, he was like, it was the biggest prescription bottle I've ever seen full of Oxy. And they were like, take it as much as you need it. And he's like, he took one and he was like, it fucked me up. And he said, and he said, I'm pretty sure he's like, I don't know what happened to them. I'm pretty sure that like I told my mom to dump them or whatever. But um, he took one and he's like, I kn he knew that he's like, this shit's not like, I'll deal with it. I'll take Tylenol. Like, there's no way that I need to feel like this for like my knee throbbing after surgery. Like, there's yeah. no reason for it. Um, so he's like, I just threw him away because, you know, but then that kind of sidetracked into another conversation of like, okay, well, how do you people get addicted if it's just, it's a choice and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, He's one person. I get it. So that was his experience. And uh, people trust their doctors, right? That's the whole problem with this whole thing is the doctors. Who's the bad guy? Is it the addicts? Is it the doctors? Is it the pharma? Pharma lied and gave the doctors bad information. And so the doctors prescribed it to the patients. So it, it, it all trails back to the pharmaceutical company, right? Like, yeah. at the end of the day, they're a business. And unfortunately, that's it. That is what it is. But the doctors should know better. And that's their job. Well, that's part of what pharma's, um, Purdue pharma's, um, what's it called, uh, strategy was when the litigation stuff first started happening or when there was like even any question, it was like they, and I think this was in episode four when they started pushing the reps to go tell the doctors like, no, it's the, you know, blame the addicts. And they started yeah. going on the offense of like, we're going to, you know, donate to these police departments to help crack down and then all this stuff. And it's like totally spinning it because they, and this is like a, a later theme, but like they knew that they were in the wrong, but they were like doing all these things to suppress and cover up. And yeah, um, like the big thing is like, we're not like never admit any wrongdoing. We're not settling. We're not, we're not showing that we are at fault in any way. Mm. Yeah, yeah it was it was hammer the abusers yeah that was it yeah, i just kept right. repeating hammer the abusers and it was people that if take i mean which is bullshit because it's like if taken as prescribed and followed by a medical professional which is exactly what that guy did that owned the auto shop he did exactly what his doctor told him to do and he still got addicted and then it spirals yeah. right like you can follow the supervision and you can do what you're told for so long but at the point of addiction it's over yeah yeah, no. There's no coming back from that. 
I don't remember what episode, if it's, it might be in five. Um, we can refer to Dom's notes because yeah, what is it? What say say say? Yeah, it, I'll it, tell you. When it's like the party. The party is towards yeah. It's five when they go to yeah, Miami. <laughs> Dude, my last note. My last note um, is it's like dot 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 parallels because <laughs> it's showing like the two scenes and it's like completely yeah. opposite of each other. But then, no, nah, I I fucking hate this show because. For a second, I was like, for a second, I was like, there's going to be like a good ending. And I was like, no, there's not supposed to be a good ending. And then they just, I knew somebody had to die. Like, well, they I knew. Shit on me, dude. Like, yeah. Completely. So, oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Go ahead. I yeah. For, for a minute, like, I thought, like, because, you know, you, you started to mention it, the party. Like, I thought Shannon, this drug rep, I'm like, well, I mean, it's kind of full circle. Like, she's the one doing the bad thing and like she tries oxy for the first time at this party recreationally that is like a purdue pharma party <laughs> and uh and then she like falls into the pool and is high like I, i'm like oh she's gonna die right here like and this is full circle moment not that you want anybody to die but like i was like okay um i don't know where i was going with that but it was just like a mind fuck <laughs> yeah yeah it was it, it was crazy to see because um, also in episode five is the first time that uh, the uh, U.S. attorney um, gets uh, somebody from the inside. That, mm -hmm. that um, the receptionist lady, she basically gets berated and shit on in this meeting, and so she's like spirals and is like, "I'm gonna tell you everything." And then, you know, obviously she doesn't show up to her deposition, and it turns out that she's like full blown addict, and she had been for years, and she was using oxy, and one of the th jokes she made in the meeting that got her in trouble was they were talking about 160 milligram pills and they would call them oxycoffins because they yeah. were killing people after one, one use, like one time. And, uh, anyway, she, you know, she ends up not showing up. And, uh, so they don't, they obviously, the U S attorney and Edie flowers, they don't get her and it wouldn't have been reputable anyways, cause she was an addict. So they couldn't have used her testimony, but, um, full circle to the party and all of the drug reps and all the doctors are there. Everybody's doing oxy. All the girls are in the bathroom snorting oxy. It's like, they're all addicts. Right after they had come on, um, in front of this, was it Supreme court or yeah. they come, come on and, and sworn under oath that they weren't aware of anybody using oxy intravenously or, um, snorting it. or snorting it, uh, before, you know that day or whatever and then there's all this history of people alerting them to the abuse uh, well, and then they have this party ahead. and like their reps are doing it yeah well what's crazy about that is it it clicked for me at that party so when i think it was episode four when they're starting to build their case and they're showing the um all the u.s senators and all the people that are on tv like oxycontin in our communities it's blah blah, oh. blah and there's that senator in there and he's just hammering purdue pharma and he's writing dozens and dozens of letters to Purdue Pharma and the DOJ and that they need to do something about this. And this guy's just hammering Purdue Pharma. And then at that Miami party, he's there. And Shannon was like, you look familiar. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm so-and-so. It was and, the main attorney, attorney general from Maine. That was yeah, like it was, the first person that brought to them. Yeah. And he's now he's partying with Purdue Pharma. Basically they bought him and uh, you know, he's just, 
he he got bought. He was working. What I don't remember what exactly what he said, but he said, you know, minds can minds can be changed or something like that. Yeah, which basically means he got bought. So, in episode five, um, they talk, or so I put a note down um, when it came to the Nobel Peace Prize little tangent that he went on. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. yeah. No, that yeah, dude. That so, was a real thing. Like completely, yeah. that's how the Nobel Peace Prize got started. So, for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, the I don't know his first name, but last name was Nobel. Yeah, um, he 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 was the creative dynamite. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, the creator of Dynamite. He basically invented this thing, and then it was used for bombs and death and war and all these negative things. And he made all this money off of it. And so, in order to not tarnish his family's legacy or his name, well, he his brother died. His brother. So his brother died, and so the newspapers ran. Uh, oh, the newspapers yeah, yeah. thought that it was him that died, and so they ran all these obituaries merchant, and stories. Merchant of death. Yeah, they called him the Merchant of Death, and he read it, and he's like, "This is what my legacy is. This is what I'm going to be known for." Um, and he like goes and uh, just you know puts his entire rest of his life, all of his fortune, into creating the Nobel Peace Prize and awarding it to people that are like doing things that better society as a whole. Um, Oppenheimer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah Oppenheimer's right. crazy because, you know, as – that's a whole other tangent. Yeah. Like, I'm deaf. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That quote. yeah. Oh, man. Did you watch the movie? No, oh, I haven't. A great movie. You I have Because I want to go – I want to watch it in theater, and it's just so hard with a kid and Brooklyn's yeah. and, like, going to the movies and stuff. Oh, yeah. So real uh, quick, I just – I know we kind of bounce back and forth, but also in episode five, I was talking to Dominic about this yesterday, and it really fucked me up. The because I lived this. This was a personal experience I had with our mom. When he comes to the guy that owns the auto shop, I can never remember his name, but he shows up at the to the oldest son, who's his stepson, who's now staying with his dad because of everything that's going on. He shows up to the dad's house and he goes in and it's just him and the kid and they're talking and he goes through this whole fucking apology and how he's going to do better and how he wants to be better and they're going to beat this together and, you know, that he loves him and he's always considered him a son, all this bullshit. And then at the very end of it, he said, we just, I just need your help to get through this. And, and the son says, well, well, I don't understand how I can help you. And he says, well, like, if you could just give me some cash or tell me if you know anyone that has Oxy, right? And I lived that with mom a couple yeah. times. And so that scene, like, that scene fucked me up because the kid just obviously freaks out, starts crying, tells him to get the fuck out. And that's such, I'm assuming there's hundreds of people who have the same story, thousands of people that have the same story. And it's yeah. just, it's very, that was probably the most real scene in the show for me because it was a personal experience i had that just that messed me up for sure that was the hardest part for me is watching the and i don't know if you guys can attest to this watching the recovery of him after he's hit complete rock bottom and he's sleeping in the shop watching his, his recovery <laughs> yeah through the two yeah. episodes was harder for me than seeing that girl pass away on the lawn like and yeah obviously these are not real people but it's like seeing someone recover and doing well it, like i was like jealous <laughs> like in a way you know 
Um, but like exactly like you were saying, it's like that shit was like so real, you know, because you see these like the same patterns, you know, it's like, oh, I want it to be normal. But it's like, no, like when his wife tells him, no, you can't stay here like that, like you just can't like it, it, we're not there yet. And it's like that boundary is so real. And it's like every day, you know, like, yeah, but there's the underlying theme of choices there, too, because I mean, going into going into that a little bit like this can play, I think, part of the role of family in addiction. You know, we all have our different perspectives. We all think about scenarios, think about things that have happened and how we how we reacted, how that may have impacted the addict. Like to preface this, uh, basically, the wife is allowing him to come and have dinner as a family and like be part um, and like earn his earn the trust back, earn his place back. And he's like trying to get her to let him just, you know, move back in the house or stay in the house. She says, no, she has this clear boundary that is really good for her, really good for the family. And then he goes and relapses and then overdoses. And you can look at this through many lights. And I know like, this is just kind of the way my mind works a little bit. And like, we talked about this with Sheree and Malik that you you're not respond like you can't control if somebody's gonna go relapse you can't control if somebody's gonna go get clean you can't control these things but i just think about it from the wife's perspective of like i would have let him stay that night yeah like if if i would have just let him stay then he wouldn't because essentially what happens is he's staying at this like motel and the neighbors are are partying and um he like goes to tell them to shut the hell up and like opens the door and they're both like zonked and there's baggies of oxy laying there and he it like fucks him up and he relapses uh so he's like trying to do the right thing still and like follow these boundaries but he just be, gets into this situation where it's i don't know yeah that's one of those things where it's like the, yeah i'm sure the the wife anyone would be in that situation is like well what if i let him stay or what if you know, whatever it may be. Um, and they live with that, but you have no well, that's, choice. Yeah, I mean, because again, like, and I think this is, this is something that I think we need to talk about and like have conversations with people that have like had this kind of experience where it's like, well, I held my boundary. I did what was right for me. And like this bad thing still happened or they didn't. And the bad thing still like, it's, it's crazy to look at in hindsight and think like this led to this to led to this led to this. But again, like to reiterate to anybody that's listening that may have these cycles in their head, these, playbacks of you know whatever and what you wish you would have done um but like shit's gonna just happen like yeah it's it's she lets him stay and he starts to move back in and then he brings oxy into the house and the kid gets it you know there's just yeah there's so many times I, that i thought that the kid was gonna get yeah. into the container like when he put her in the truck and then he walked away i was like oh this is it she's getting into the pill you yeah. know she's gonna take a pill or, or whatever she's eating them like mints you know she might not know better um that was a yeah. little kid. Like he's got yeah. a young daughter. I saw that happening too. Cause he's pulling him out of his dip can and mm -hmm. takes her to the car. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think we've kind of bounced between five and six, but 
Yeah, I, it blows my mind on more on the legality side of it. It just blows my mind on how much is needed to pursue a company because they're such a big company when it's all so obvious. Yeah. Right. But again, like they're talking about the finding the direct crime and that's where they get into like when they finally lie under oath. That mm-hmm. is something that they can pursue because by law, they hadn't done anything wrong. But then like we talked about the, the people outside of the doctor's offices and stuff, you do still have like, this is the United States. We have laws, but there still is the court of public opinion. Like you still mm-hmm. have people that are judging and that kind of decide things because the way that our system is supposed to work, if something is messed up two to four years, you vote in the people that you hope are going to change things and make things the right way. So like, I don't know the, the part that messed me up with all that is like, they're going into this big trial finally, and phone calls are made. Things are shifted around Rudy Giuliani, the, you know, one of the most crooked politicians in history is, you know, called and begins a, phone line up to the president basically. And then that's all like squashed basically. Like they, they come to a settlement deal and everybody's caught off guard. Yeah. yeah was, that's what they said that the, like Edie says when she, um, finally, you know, rekindles the relationship with her brother. She said, I thought you were bad. And I finally realized what bad was. And it was the fact that they had all this evidence and they about to put three of the people from Purdue in prison for a long time for lying to Congress. And it took three phone calls in the middle of the night and the whole thing went away and not a single person paid criminally. Yep. And that's just, that shows, you know, my personal opinion. I don't think a lot has changed. I mean, I feel like oh, it, it is all who you know, not what you know, hundred yeah. percent. That's how the world works. Unfortunately, but, there's, like, there's a lot to say there. Yeah. They like yeah. didn't lose. Like, um, at the end, one thing I really liked was at the complete end of the show, uh, it had the Sackler name and it was like crumbling, right? Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. You know, they talk about their legacy and, you know, they, towards the end, they talk about how they did have to end up paying $4.5 billion and Yeah, actually they pulled were, it, I pulled it up to read exactly what it says. Yeah, but, they were. Yeah. Uh, they were completely immune. They can't be taken to court ever again. Ever again. They had to ha- bury all the evidence. None of that evidence is all gone. None of it matters. Even if it's there, it's not there. It doesn't exist. And he's talking to his uh, uncle, which is a vision or whatever. Figment of his imagination. Yeah, all that too, because there's some it, stuff I wanted to talk about with him. Cause... Yeah, uh, the fire alarm? I mean, I right. still That's what I'm that. saying. I don't know. The whole show. Yeah, the whole I know. At the end, when it goes off, and he's like walking towards, it, I was like, "They're going to explain it, thank God!" And then he just like walks away, like that's it. Um, well, it's because the house is so big. Like to me, what I the house is so big. There's always some problem. There, one of the uh, smoke detectors is always going off throughout the entire show, and I think like they probably fix one, and then another one starts going off. I just, think it's like, just. I just think it was the the foreshadowing is that there's always a problem. Yeah. They're always fixing problems because the show starts with him getting out of bed with the smoke detector going off and it ends with him going to bed. You guys catch that? 
The show mm -hmm. opens with him getting out of bed, and the show ends with him going to bed, and there's a smoke detector going off. And every time he's at home, there's a smoke detector going off. And then, yeah, it just... But what blew my mind is, after they settled, and Edie's doing the, like, the narrating, um, after that court case, all it did was allow Purdue to basically increase the volume because they knew that they couldn't get in trouble anymore because it was all done and they got to a point where they were making what 30 million dollars a week yeah, like 30 or 50 what or making. whatever like yeah something ridiculous like they didn't still lose. yeah still like, in 2023 is, 11 billion dollars is there this is worth. real like this is real like this is a real story that's what really hit home for me at the end when it started telling like all the facts and stuff of like the real life not dramatized version of it and yeah. it's like damn like we, i just went through this emotional thing watching these six episodes and this whole fucking time this could have been about real people this whole time people like the six episodes there is six different people who passed away six out of you know uh whatever the number they said five hundred thousand. pulled it up yeah um i've looked googled a couple other things since then um yeah, one just... thing that I did like about the show part of it, the drama part of it was uh, I liked how fast it was, but also like developed the characters in these fast scenes. Like Shannon went from, you know, not really believing it to completely believing it in like a flip of a switch. And then also like turning in all of her evidence and stuff like that. Like, I just thought that was like, and her acting was really good. I don't know who the actress is, but she was doing great. Yeah, the, I mean, he, yeah, it, it's, it is scary because it's like he had just had his 30 day clean. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this is something that is talked about often with people that are um, coming or like getting clean from, any addiction is the immediate use to where they were before mm -hmm. and how that spikes them into overdose. And that's yeah. what exactly what happened. Like he's going and going to pick up dinner for his family. And he is like, had that 24 hours basically where he found those guys took all their oxy. Yeah. No, it, it like it basically there's like this 24 hour period where he finds those guys, finds their bag of oxy, and then he's dead. Like, yeah. just, and he had just celebrated the 30 days clean. Like, things are getting back on track. He's earning, earning his, you know, steps back into his family. And it can happen just that easy. Yeah. yeah. It kind of shows, too, like, you can't, not that you can, I've never done it, but being around addicts or, and or drugs when you're in recovery, it just does not go well. I mean, Cherie said this, it's like, or it might have been, oh, well, never mind, we had to delete that. But um, it's like the crab thing, right? Like yeah. If the crab is climbing yeah. out of the pot, They'll the other crabs will grab them back down, right? They'll pull you back down. Yep. And it's like, it's like the same thing. Like, do we know if he would have relapsed if he never went into that room and that none of that ever happened? No, we don't. We can only hope that it never would have happened. But, I mean... Being around that, just seeing that, just having the opportunity, like it's just like that. Literally in twenty four hours, like you said, it could just happen like that. He OD'd in a seven eleven parking lot. Like how fucking embarrassing is that? Yeah. Like no and one it goes up and wants to do that. It doesn't have to be drugs either. Like 
that's the same thing that we've talked about with drinking too that happens you know how common is it for people to be like no i'm not having a drink and it's like well why what's up and like it's none of your fucking business i'm just not drinking or i don't want it like you have to rationalize why you're not doing something it's like no that's it's none of your business like (laughs) if i'm choosing not to i'm choosing not to yeah when it's like the in the bathroom at that party when they were all in miami um like you said dom the parallels were crazy because they kept bouncing back and forth between him going through his complete detox and like complete he was he was basically detoxing by himself sleeping on a mattress pad in his auto shop and it was like him under the blankets rolling around sweating can't sit still and then it would bounce to like them dancing purdue pharma's dancing and having this doing party a fucking macarena yeah doing a macarena and, and then all the people are doing the drugs in the bathroom and every time they go back to the bathroom and they're trying to get her to do the oxy they're like come on just do it come on just do it and then they'd cut to him and he's like detoxing and he's throwing up in the bathroom and he's naked in the dirty floor and then it cuts back to her and they're like come on just do it just do it right like they were just yeah mind-blowing um but what I was going to say is at the end, it does say that script, it says over 40 people die in the U.S. from prescription opioid overdoses every day. And that's prescription. That's not, um, they don't necessarily say like just street deaths. Like they're not saying like people who get the drugs off the street, they're saying 40 people die from a prescribed opioid to themselves, I'm assuming. Um, and then it says, uh, it goes on to say like um that no member oh so this is crazy because it's just happened as of march 2023 final approval for purdue pharma's bankruptcy is still pending so it's still 2023 and nothing has finalized yet um and the last statement i think is um no member of the sackler family has been criminally charged in connection with marketing of oxycontin or any overdose deaths involving any of the drugs and then it says the sackler family is estimated to be worth 11 billion dollars Back to Richard Sackler, when he's swimming in the pool and he's saying, you know, we never settle, we never settle, you know, you're, uh, and then he has that, his uncle who's telling him that he's destroying everything he built, you're destroying my name, and he said, I don't give a fuck about your, oh, he's, you're destroying our tribe, and he's like, I don't give a fuck about your tribe, I care about money and winning, he's like, I I care about money and I I always win, and um, he didn't win. Yeah, I mean, he kind of did. He didn't get criminally charged and all that stuff, but like his family is forever going to be tied to the worst opioid epidemic in history currently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he doesn't give a fuck about that. So that's a win in his book, yeah. which is so irritating. Yeah, and, and he's, he's old enough to where it's like, I mean, does it? He's lived such a extravagant, ridiculous life. Yeah. Well, he even says that if we can, if he goes, if we settle and we concede, then it won't long after you're gone, it'll be your family, it'll be your kids. It'll be your kids, kids forever. They'll be coming after him forever. They'll be coming after this company forever. We don't concede. And then he finally conceded in the middle of the night and got away with everything. So immune (laughs) though, like no criminal, like that's ridiculous, bro. That's the thing. Like with the double jeopardy laws, you can't be uh, convicted of the same thing twice. So like, that's literally it's put in there i i kind of get the basis for why it exists but it's stuff like this where it's like somebody gets off on a crime with just such a bullshit sentencing or he, he didn't even like I, 
like yeah there uh, was no criminal sentencing like he oh, settles and it's like all right cool they can never try to prosecute me for this or prosecute me for this again but part like that's the big the federal government i think what ended up happening is all the individual lawsuits from states from you know um smaller people coming after purdue is what led them to the bankruptcy so i think i think they say that i think they do say it was like over 30 states brought individual lawsuits against purdue amounting yeah. to something of like 30 billion dollars or something and so then they finally they finally filed for bankruptcy in 2019 i think and as of this year it's still pending um but that means they're still if if it's still pending right now their bankruptcy i, I mean that means that they're still in business you know Is can you still get oxy like prescribed yeah yeah absolutely it's a it's way more controlled and i don't know that purdue pharma may, i don't know i honestly i don't know but the thing that kind of sucks is like as a whole is like purdue actually before that before the whole oxy thing they actually made really good drugs for end of life care people with cancer like they did good right yeah. they had they had they weren't this terrible company it was you know it was just oxy yeah 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 when it came them down to them struggling like they were literally like talking about their drugs as if they were like stocks they were like well we don't have any value in that one and this one's only for cancer or cancer and people dying it's like we can't do anything with that and it's like it's like that is so crazy to me and then they just come up with this idea where it's like what if we can make it so you know they won't have any pain and it's the pill they never knew they ha they needed and it's like uh, yeah I don't know it's just uh, it's crazy that the, how many people can die from that yeah I think the founding theme in this is anyone can be bought they bought the that uh, the guy from the FDA they bought the uh, main guy from the attorney attorney general from Maine you know they just they bought everybody. I mean, that's really what it was. They made enough money that they could just pay off whoever they wanted to pay off, and it didn't matter. Um, Even the people that they didn't buy, like the um, main, like attorney general from Virginia that Edie Flowers was working for, uh, they they didn't. Yeah, Brownlee, they didn't like buy him out, but they got to like basically his boss, and it was like an order that this is what we're going to do. And there are times where you're in those situations where you're like, there's nothing that I can do. This is the best alternative that I have, which also sucks. Like at a certain point, if your hands are tied, it's like, well, do you destroy your career? Right. Uh, and that's, what? Yeah, that's something Edie said. Edie's like, you know, he wasn't the dog that I thought he was, or he didn't have the fight that I thought he did. Yeah. And and I was a little conflicted with that statement because it's like, okay, cool. I'm like, no, no, sir, I'm not gonna settle. You're telling me to settle, and they're like, okay, well, you're fired, and they bring another prosecutor in who settles. So yeah. there, there's, he wasn't gonna win. Okay. So um, now I don't know if he needed to make that candid statement that Purdue Pharma, they can hope that Purdue Pharma is gonna. What did he say? Something about honorably and responsibly market their product or some bullshit yeah. at the end, which is all pr and i get that but at the end of the day like you said does he ruin his career like he could go on and do a lot better things that maybe do help people but in that exact instance like he they would just 
put someone else in his position and do what they wanted to do. Yeah. It's like talking to the news people and he said, I believe justice will serve here today. Like, how oh, the fuck can you off. say that? Like, yeah. how the fuck can you actually say that, bro? Like, that is crazy how fake that shit can be. When I had my kidney stone, I was talking to Sheree and Malik about this when I went over there. When I had my kidney stone, uh, I was talking to them about, like, how bad the pain was. Because I got oxycodone, I think it was. Yeah, that's different, yeah. I'm pretty sure, right? So I got that, and after I ran out of that, because they gave me Narcan, which is insane, because I can literally die. <laughs> but they gave me Narcan for that, and I was like, you know, I ran out of it, and I was like, I don't need another prescription. But I found myself timing out how to take the pills so that I don't feel pain. And I was talking to Shreen and Malik about it, and they're like, that is literal, like how that's how addicts think throughout the day like for their fix because if they don't get their fix in a certain amount of time they're gonna start feeling shaky and cold and get, get the shivers and stuff like that yeah. and it's like that's crazy how fast that could have happened if i went and got another prescription of that and got it refilled and kept taking it kept taking it thinking that i absolutely needing it needed it and my body became reliant on it like i could be the same exact way just like that dude just because i got a kidney stone because i didn't drink enough water after all of that, you know, half a million people dying, they still just got away with the slap on the wrist, if you can even call it that. And that's just, it's criminal. Yeah, the fact that none of the family has been criminally charged and that, that <laughs> yeah, well, and the, this is one part that he's, you know, explaining that in the settlement, say it's, you know, how or he, he saying basically, all right, it's however much, like, we're not going to pay it at once. We're going to pay it over time and we're going to pay it with the interest that we're making uh, plus, plus profits. We're not losing anything. It's right. like, so nothing essentially happened. I'm interested to see comparisons to some of the other ones and other stuff that's out there that people have recommended. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm good if you guys are good. Uh, I think people should just go check it out. Yeah, please yeah, leave recommendations for things that you want us to review or watch or whatever. Yeah, this was fun. I mean, if, especially if you liked this, if there's other things that you guys all think that we would uh, that are relevant to what we're doing, and you would like to hear us just talk about our opinions of it, I think yeah. that I've enjoyed this. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. I think that if you've seen the show and you have your thoughts, we'd love to hear them, whether that be commenting or, you know, letting us know, reaching out. You know, we've had some people reach out to us via email that um, we're excited to get on the show. But if you guys just have thoughts or recommendations or anything, you know, we'd love to hear it. So definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, well, this has been another episode of the Final Fix Podcast. Please uh, like, share, subscribe, post notifications, all that. And uh, we love you. If you or anyone you know are struggling with addiction, please reach out to the National Substance Abuse Hotline at 1-800-662-4357 for additional help. And remember, you're not alone.